So last week we uh, started a new series in uh, Paul's second uh, epistle to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians, um, and we're going to uh, look again at the first seven verses uh, this morning. That text is uh, printed in the bulletin and also uh, up on the screens behind me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, this is God's word and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So last week we, we started in on uh, looking at this, and one of the things that we learned... Uh, is that comfort, what's talked about here in this text, mentioned ten times in, in seven verses, is help in and through the gospel and suffering. It's not relief, right? Uh, and that's a big confusion that we have, right? That we think that somehow or other what the, what the gospel should supply to me is pain-free living. Uh, that what the gospel should do for me, what Jesus should do for me, is place me in situations and circumstances where I never experience uh, difficulty or pain uh, or, or suffering. And so comfort uh, is strong words, right? Uh, uh, the words of the gospel, the truth of the gospel uh, incarnated in people coming close to us and near to us to to share and to speak those things to us uh, uh, for the bad times, especially when we uh, feel our weakness. And the source of this comfort, the source of this is not something that we drum up on our, our on our own or something that we think of ourselves. The source of it is God, because he is the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is also the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, right? So so just as uh, uh, God the Father has this relationship with his Son, Jesus Christ, he has this relationship with us, whereas he is the source of mercy and the source of comfort. And so that's the... That's the kind of the beginning thing for us. And it's important for us to, to, to be reminded again, even though it's so difficult for us, that what we think comfort would be for us would be relief, that it would simply be that my circumstances would change, my understanding of my circumstances would change, and suddenly everything would be fine. Where what we understand that the scriptures are saying to us is, no, actually comfort is what God gives to us in Jesus Christ, even as we walk through things that are difficult. David said uh, in Psalm 23 uh, that even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he would fear no evil for God's rod and staff comforted him, right? They didn't take him out of that valley. They didn't take him somewhere else. But actually, as he walked through that, he could be certain that God was with him. Now, here's the here's the thing that is uh, that we have to see and understand about this. One one of the ways that we view the world, and one of the ways that we we uh, kind of approach life, 
is that we have an expectation that life should be easy. Right? We expect, we think it should be easy. That's our expectation. Things, you know, things should work. Things should, everything should be, be relatively easy. And, and we kind of make this kind of calculus and this kind of bargain on our heads like, all right, God, I know that there are going to be some hard things along the way, but nothing that hard. Right? Um, and so one of the ways that we kind of view the world is, is that yes, there's difficulty in the world. And yes, there's suffering in the world, but my kind of middle class existence actually insulates me against a lot of this. And really, it's not, it's not so bad. Um, so that we forget the power of the gospel, that what had to happen for our redemption, for our ultimate comfort, is that Jesus Christ had to take on our flesh, our lives, our death, and overcome that for us. So it's a stark reminder, a kind of in-your-face kind of way of saying to us that things are not all right, and that, in fact, uh, the best we can do outside of the work of Christ is simply manage. So uh, towards the end of school last year, Marty goes out one morning to get in the car to go to work, and the car won't start. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, uh, but that's quite an imposition on me. Don't like that. Makes me mad. Makes me upset. It's very difficult. And so, and you know, uh, because uh, we have two other cars, well, actually one and a half cars, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, take, take the other car to work and, and I'll get to work on this. So, so I'm really upset about this because the battery on this car is, is only six months old. Uh, and it's a diesel, and so uh, batteries are five times more expensive than they should be because it's a diesel. So I take it to the place and tap dance on their desk about the battery and uh, want a new one, and they're like, well, they test it, and they're like, your battery's fine. And I'm like, well, check the alternator. Well, your alternator's fine. So I'm like, well, this was just a glitch. This is something weird. This is an anomaly. I like that word, anomaly. Something, you know, kind of atypical and, you know, it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. It'll get better. Right? Well, actually, the way it worked is if we drove the car every five or six hours, it would start. But if you went a little longer than five or six hours, it wouldn't start. Well, you know, there's just something odd going on here. It'll fix itself. And anyway, you know, because it's a, a, it has a clutch and a, a stick shift, if you park it on a hill and, you know, what's the big deal? It starts, who needs a battery anyway? It'll get better. It'll fix itself. And, you know, that's what jumper cables are for. <laughs> so um, I would get up in the morning before she would leave for school, go outside, move one of our cars next to her car, pop the hoods, jump it, car would run, and she would drive to school. And because she was out of school, most of the time in six or seven hours, the car would crank on that end and get back. And so this is going on, well, we're up to October, right? 
before I finally decided, you know, apparently this is not going to fix itself. (laughs) Now, I gave it a good shot. Six months, you know, come on. So finally, we, you know, I, I take it in and I explain to the guy, I don't really understand what's going on here. I pulled all the fuses. I've done this. I've done that. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they got it fixed. It fixed, and it's fine. Cranks every morning. When it's zero, a couple of months ago, hard to believe that, back when it was winter, uh, it cranked right up. So it really was fixed. Now, now trust me, you know, the truth of the matter is uh, the way we tend to think about life is the way I tend to think about my car. And that is, if I just ignore this, if I don't look at it, I don't really think that much about it, it'll get better. It'll get better. And often, that's the best comfort we can give to one another. It'll get better. Things will work out. Things will work out. Well, actually, sometimes the best comfort you can give somebody is, you know what? Things are going to get worse. Some of the best advice I've ever given people is until you understand what Jesus has done for you and until you repent and trust him, things are going to get worse. They're going to get worse before they get better. And that's not all bad. In fact, uh, those are those, those true words are actually words of comfort. And so just like with the, the situation with the car, what we, we need to recognize is that in our affliction and in our suffering, the comfort that we need is, is not just that things will get better, but that we need a wholesale change. We need, we need something to, to redeem, renew, and recover that which is broken and lost. And the fact is, for most of us, we don't experience that the world is a broken place. We don't experience that, that the, the world is uh, marred uh, by sin until we suffer, until we experience affliction. And so what Paul's getting at here in this text, right off the bat with the church in Corinth, is to say, listen, the, the world is a broken place. It is a difficult place. And affliction and suffering in a weird way could be the mercy of God to us to tell us to look for something else and to trust something else and, and to hope in something else other than kind of our lame ways of thinking, well, things might just get better. So what he tells us here is, is that God is the source of our comfort and that in Jesus Christ, we experience mercy and all of these things in our affliction. We might not experience relief. We might not experience immediate deliverance. But what we have is the reality of a God who loves us, who is for us, who comes near to us, overcomes these things on our behalf so that we can have hope and certainty about our future. So the the next part of this text is, um, is something that's pretty profound for us. Because what Paul says here is he gives us a reason for why we experience affliction. Now, now one of the things that there, there are many reasons why we experience affliction. One of the reasons why we suffer is our own stupidity, right? Our own ignorance, right? Sometimes, sometimes we, we experience suffering because we did something that the end of which was going to lead to suffering, right? That's just, that's true. 
but sometimes when we, we look at suffering and we think about our difficulties, we're, we, we come at it from the standpoint of, well, maybe, maybe God has a lesson for me to learn and I keep, I, I can't, I'm not learning the lesson, so I continue to suffer. Well, God's a poor teacher and you're a bad student if that's all that's going on. But what we read in this text is that God may have a reason completely outside of yourself for your suffering and your affliction. The fact is, he might lead you into a place of suffering. He might bring suffering and affliction into your life. And you know what? Ultimately, it's not even about you. Now that's, you know, you all just checked out because we are uh, Americans in 2017. And if it's not about me, then, uh, then I'm not interested. Let's move on. Tell me something that's about me, right? What Paul says in this text actually is uh, that maybe we are being afflicted and maybe we suffer, maybe we struggle so that we can receive comfort and pass that comfort on to others. Maybe, you know, what the because one of the ways we tend to think about suffering and affliction is Well, it develops character, and it certainly does develop character, but it's not just for that. Next slide, please, Liz. So the first thing that we see in this, in verse 5 is Paul tells us that we experience uh, in affliction our connection with Jesus. One of the things that we forget about Jesus is, is that he suffered. He laughed. He had a good time. He had friends, all of those things. But ultimately what we see about him is his work on our behalf, what he did for us, uh, he accomplished through suffering. And, and, and the scripture's not lying when it says that Jesus is, uh, is the suffering servant, right? So one of the ways, one of the, the reasons that affliction and suffering comes to our lives is it, it reminds us and assures us of our connection to Jesus, that he is, that he was a sufferer, that that's what he did, and that he did that, uh, on our behalf. But secondly, suffering, affliction, and receiving comfort is meant to expand our lives uh, into the lives of others. We have this great text, right? We comfort others with the comfort we have been given. And that's an important thing for us to understand. The, the fact is that what, what happens to us is as we walk through life and we suffer, one of, the, one of the effects of suffering is it helps you to recognize it in other people. When you suffer, when you struggle, when you've had pain, you can see it in somebody else. You recognize that. You understand that. Now, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that we, uh, uh, one, one of the things that you have to see about that is, is that, that, that when we are suffering and when we are struggling, it is hard for us to see anybody else or anything else other than ourselves, uh, other than our complaint with God about the reason why he's not making it better. But what Paul says here is, listen, when you suffer, when you are afflicted, The point of this is that God will come near to you and comfort you. And as he has done that, you now have something to give to others. But our tendency is to think, no, I need to know a reason why I'm suffering, why this is all about me. And it doesn't extend any further than me. You know, one of the and one of the problems with that and one of the reasons why our suffering and our lives tend to be so small is because we don't have a vision for how the work of God in me as I struggle and as I suffer might be to bless somebody else. But isn't that the gospel? 
that we get through the suffering of another? I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're here about. But instead, what we tend to think of is, no, it's all about me and about me finding meaning and me finding purpose. And, and, and it's just this thing that's going on here when, when what Paul says, no, actually, it's for somebody, some purpose bigger than you outside of you. One of the, uh, and one of the reasons why we're so frustrated and our lives are so small is because we don't see that we're, we're stuck in a circle. Have you noticed in Richmond that we're getting rid of red lights at intersections and we're getting uh, roundabouts? Have you noticed that? Have you been stuck in one? I have. Now, supposedly, I don't, we don't, do we have any traffic uh, engineers in here? Because uh, supposedly what roundabouts are supposed to do is supposed to make it more efficient. It's supposed to make traffic flow better. Right? Uh, and I guess it does if you get in the right lane when you go into the, into the roundabout. Because if you get in the wrong lane when you go into the roundabout, you know what happens? You can't get out of it. Well, you can, but you gotta go around the roundabout more than once. Right? <clears throat> I, I've, you need to be very careful how you, how you do that. And so, so I can't think of, imagine anything more frustrating than being stuck in a roundabout and not being able to get out. Well, one of the reasons why we struggle and we're frustrated is because we're stuck in the roundabout of our suffering and we can't experience anything, any possibility that this suffering and this difficulty might actually be for the purpose of blessing someone other than me. We comfort others with the comfort we have been given. And notice what he says here in verses 5 through 7 is the if, if the operative word in this whole text is comfort, he uses it 10 times in seven verses. And in, in, in verse 5, he says, for we share abundantly in Christ's suffering. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. You see, that's the, that's the, the, the thing that's going on here is that we have one of the ways that fellowship gets built among us is not just that we have something in common, like we like the Redskins or we, we, uh, don't like, uh, somebody or this person is difficult for us and we can all agree about that. What we actually end up sharing is, listen, I struggled. I suffered. I needed comfort. Jesus comforted me. Here's how he comforted me. Hear this in your suffering and in your difficulty. Now, let me be clear about this. For some of you, the thought of speaking to a person who's suffering is terrifying. What would I say? What would I do? I don't know. I just don't know. They're in pain. They're in difficulty. I don't know what to say. I'm not gifted at that. Of course you're not gifted at that. Well, some of you are. There's actually a few people in this church with the gift of mercy. And so some of you know exactly what to do and know exactly what to say, right? Um, I was in a receiving line in a, in a funeral one time, and people were coming through, and they were comforting us, and they were saying things. And a guy who's a pastor came through the line, and he came up to me and says, well, I really hope this doesn't ruin you. 
And then he moved on to the next person. And uh, it actually did comfort me because it made me forget that I was at a funeral and made me want to wring his neck. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, there's something, something comforting about being infuriated right now and then making me want to reach out here and smack this guy, you know. And, and I said to Marty, who was standing next to me, I'm like, did he just say that to me? And she's like, move on. <laughs> Don't, let's not. Because I, I, I'm certain she thought I would go and comfort him, you know, <laughs> with the comfort that I just received from him, right? So, um, so we hear that and we think, well, you know, I'm not any good at that. I might be like that guy and say something stupid. I might do something. So I might, I might, you know, not be able to comfort. So, you know what? I, I'm just not going to. Uh, but you see, the, the, the problem with that is uh, we're missing what Paul's getting at here. What Paul's saying here is, listen, if you've experienced the grace of God in your life in difficulty, if you've experienced and been heartened by the words that Jesus Christ died for sinners, if you've been heartened and strengthened by the words that Jesus Christ overcame death by his resurrection, if you've been strengthened and heartened in your suffering by being reminded that Jesus suffered too, if you've been strengthened and, and heartened in your suffering by, by knowing that, that God sees you and he hears you and he's with you and he's for you, then when you see someone who needs comfort, when you become aware of someone else's suffering, you simply will give them the comfort that you received. Now, now, honestly, some people, some people are easier to comfort than others. Some people actually are ready to receive that comfort, but it doesn't matter because we give the comfort that we ourselves have received. If, 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 if I only look at and think of the effectiveness of my comfort based on whether you liked it or not, or whether you responded appropriately or not, doesn't change the fact that the comfort of the gospel is an objective reality and truth rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's really all I have to give. I might be able to bring you a pie. I might be able to bring you some uh, a casserole. But I do it in Jesus' name because Jesus has met my need, right? So, so what Paul says here is, is that, that in our affliction, the reason why we may have suffered, the reason why we may be suffering now may not be so much about us, but about the sake of others because we share together as we walk through those things together. Next slide, please, Liz. Um, so just as we, when we share in suffering, we share in suffering. And when we share in comfort, we share in comfort. It's something that he does in and through us that binds us together, not just in the sense that, uh, uh, that we agree uh, about the nature of the gospel, but at a personal relational level, we feel, we have empathy, and we feel these things for one another and with one another because we ourselves have experienced the same uh, uh, suffering. What power is there for us if all our lives are nothing but ease, right? Almost no one says they grow, they change, they, they experience the power of the gospel in dramatic ways 
on, on days when everything's coming up roses. We experience the most profound work of God most often, not solely, but most often when we struggle. And when we struggle and we experience the grace and mercy of God, it enables us to see and experience that on other folks' behalf and say to them, when I struggled, when I suffered, Jesus met me. Next slide. Um, Since you have the comfort of the gospel, if you're in Christ, then all the uncomfortable things in our lives lose their power and sting. Are you dying? Right? Uh, Be comforted for Jesus has already died your death. This would be good to make into a flow chart, you know. (laughs) Are you dying? Yes. You didn't go down here, right? So, except that with this question, are you dying? Everybody would have to say yes. So, uh, yeah. Are you dying? Be comforted for, for your Jesus has already died your death. Are you sad? Um, and, uh, you know, just as an aside, uh, we spend way too much time trying to keep one another from being sad. Sadness is, is a great gift. It's better than anger. Uh, and it is uh, certainly uh, better than most of the other kind of default emotions that we have. Are you sad? Be comforted for your Jesus new sadness in Gethsemane and shares even your gloom. Are you a sinner who's fallen again and again? Be comforted for your Jesus has assumed every one of your sins and gives to you in exchange his righteousness. Next slide, Liz. So, so here's the thing that you have to see about this. Your testimony is not just your testimony. It belongs to others. Now, your suffering is not just your suffering, and your healing is not just your healing, because we belong to one another in Christ. And so the comfort that I've been given, the healing that I've been given, was not just for me. It actually ultimately might be for somebody else. One of the things that happens to us is that our lives tend to get small because we tend to think that really what life is about is about ourselves. And one of the ways that I have seen God work in people's lives uh, throughout my ministry is when I come across somebody who's a drug addict or a drunk or um, addicted in some kind of weird way to some kind of sexual thing or when I run across somebody who has... And an addiction to uh, any any number of things. Um, what I experience about that, and what I've seen with that with people is, is that most people, in fact, almost all of those people, at some point or another, experienced some sort of recovery. Recovery. They will experience some period of time where they are not giving into the addiction. Almost everybody does it because, because we are human beings after all, and you have a little bit of willpower, a little bit, and, and, and you get a little bit better. But you know what I've noticed? The people who have the track record in recovery are the people who use their recovery to help somebody else. And they come to grips with the fact that my addiction was killing me and Jesus has given me life. 
I see how your addiction is killing you. Let me tell you how Jesus helped me. Isn't that funny how that works? Because the way we tend to think about it is, is that this stuff ends up just being about us and us just getting better. And sometimes we'll just settle for, I, you know, I, at least I'm not doing that thing anymore. But I will tell you that the spiritual power that comes to us in the gospel is something that is not just about our personal development or our moral reclamation or, or those sorts of things. As important and as valuable as those things are, the gospel, the comfort, the truth of what Jesus has done for us doesn't just end with us, but it flows out of us into others. And ironically, the weird thing about that is that that grace and that mercy as it flows out of me into the life of somebody else who needs comfort actually comforts me and is a part of the way in which God is healing me in the first place. So here's the thing. This is what Paul wants us to see. Two words. You've been, you, you have comfort in Christ and we share it. We have affliction together in Christ and we share in that affliction. These things are what knit us and bind us together and that the purpose of what God might have for you today in your struggle and in your pain and in your suffering is for the sake of another. And in so doing, we have an opportunity to incarnate in a little tiny way the message of the gospel where someone comes and suffers and struggles and overcomes, not just for themselves, but for the sake of others. That is where the spiritual power uh, uh, in a, a body of believers is most clearly manifested as the, go- the gospel has its effect and its fruit in the lives of fellow sufferers and fellow comforters. Let's ask for him to do that in our, in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we, we come to you today and we thank you and uh, we praise you for the fact that you do not leave us alone in our pain, but that you comfort us, that you come near in Jesus Christ, that all that we experience and all that hurts us and confuses us and makes a life hard for us, you, Jesus, experienced and have borne on our behalf. Lord, I pray today for my fellow sufferers, for folks who are here today who are afflicted, that you would draw near and that you would show them the the truth of your cross and your empty tomb, your lordship, your grace, and your mercy, and that it would renew and strengthen and comfort as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But Lord, I pray as well uh, that you would help us to see that this comfort is not ours alone. Uh, but that it is for the sake of others. Jesus, would you get glory as you pour comfort into the lives of others and pour it out uh, in and through our lives and our words into others around us who are afflicted? Lord, would you do that? 
Um, Lord, and I pray today for uh, the bitter and the cold, uh, the angry who will only settle for relief, that you would, um, well, I pray that you would make things worse until they get better and that you would renew uh, in and through pain uh, the glory, the grace, and the power of the gospel in our lives. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As the